there is certainly within Christendom and the Christian church around the world, there is a, a strong proponent of evangelical Christianity. They're real Christians. They believe in Jesus. They love Jesus. They preach the gospel. But they have, a, they have an end time or a, a, a theology that's called dispensationalism. And just to give a, a brief definition of what that means, what they, what they believe, what, what, and I, what I used to believe before I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, I guess, was that the gifts of the Holy Spirit that were poured out at Pentecost, and you'll read about that in Acts chapter 2, uh, which is a fulfillment of a prophecy that was given in Joel chapter 2. Um, there, is, uh, there is the dispensational perspective on that is that, that the gifts do not operate any longer. Once the canon of scripture was complete, in other words, the Bible as we now have it, those gifts were no longer necessary and uh, because we have the word of God in its written form. Um, a huge percentage of the church, however, does not believe that that's the case, and I happen to be one of those people, and I think most of you here are, that God is still in the business of ministering to his people and still is utilizing the gifts of the Spirit in the current context. Now, our reality, our theology and our reality may be disparate. In other words, we may believe something and see very little of it in actual practice. But my heart is, and I trust your heart would be, that we will see more and more the Spirit of God moving and the, the life of God ministered in his people and through his people into the church and into the world. Um, we need the Holy Spirit um, and we need the presence of God. And one of the things that is definitely um, a mechanism uh, for God to communicate is the, the realm of prophecy. I want to begin with a scripture reading out of... Um, I guess you guys can hear me okay, right? <laughs> I have to make sure I keep this thing. Uh, I'm going to read. I'm going to give you some homework scriptures this morning. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to read um, from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read the, the whole of 1 Corinthians 12 to give us some perspective here. And then for homework, I'd like you to read... The subsequent two chapters, 1 Corinthians 13 and 14. And then also Romans chapter 12. And you can do that at your leisure. But it all has to do with the spiritual gifts that God has given to the church. And the uniqueness of each gift. And the reality that he gifts us individually and differently and that we need all the gifts to function. What we have in our culture, unfortunately, is we have a superstar kind of culture. And that has translated into the church, where what we long for, because we very much have a priesthood laity or uh, uh, entertainment audience kind of mentality at church, even the way we're situated here this morning is to some degree like that, even though our hearts aren't there. And what, what, um, what this superstar mentality is very much about is that you want to have a super-powered pastor or leader who has all the gifts and can do the whole deal. But what God is looking for 
is for a many-membered body. What he's looking for is every part doing its part for the edification of the whole body. That's what he, he wants to see. And the reason he gives us each individually differently is because he, he needs us to recognize how much we need him first, but then we need one another to actually be the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. So one of the gifts that you guys have, we have in this church, is we have some very adequate teachers, for sure. I'm not one of those people. I'm a person who has very much um, uh, have been told a hundred times, if I've been told once, have sort of a prophetic little flavor and an exhorting kind of, um, I guess, mandate or mantle. And I'm, I'm not necessarily real comfortable teaching. I, I have to teach this morning, but I'm not necessarily really comfortable doing that. But I hope what you come out of this with is a, is a new passion in your heart. For, for God to manifest himself. You know, how many of you understand what the word manifest means? Manifest is kind of an Old Testament word, but could you just kind of shout out what you think it means? God to manifest himself means to what? Display. Display or show forth. Make himself obvious. Manifest himself through the gifts of the Spirit, through the church, to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the edification of the body of Christ. And moreover, it's, it's, all of this stuff is meant to be instruments used by the church to minister the gospel into the world. Uh, Amen? Yeah. So we need God. We need the spirit of the living God. And we need the gifts of the spirit to be operating in order for, for us, I believe, to you know, have what, what God really wants. So here's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul says to the Corinthians. Now here, I want to I wanna sort of put a little segue in here. The Corinthian churches, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says to them, uh, he, as, he's, as he's introducing this letter to them, he says, you come behind in no gift. So what he's saying to them is, you are spiritually gifted people. But he's also addressing a church that is chaotic, for lack of a better term. There, there, there's a lot of really weird and wacky stuff going on there. So he's bringing correction to the chaos but not at the expense of the gift. And, and I want to say this, that often what we end up doing is, and I've seen this over and over again, there's been moves of the Spirit where there's, where there's been real evidence of spiritual gifts in the church, and then some, some chaotic thing happens or somebody you know, prophesies something or does something really wacky, and what we do is we kind of pull in our horns and we, get, we move away from that which makes us kind of nervous. And... and there's a, there's, it's a natural reaction on the one hand, but I believe it's actually counterproductive in the long run. And that we need to, we need to have, um, obviously one of the spiritual gifts we're going to deal with here is the whole gift of discernment. So we need to know what's God and what isn't. And, um, and be able to bring correction where it isn't God. But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as I'm famously... Uh, acknowledged for saying, and that's what often we'll do. And we'll, we'll have, so we'll have the theology. It'll be written down somewhere. It'll be what we believe, but it'll not be what we actually practice or manifest in the body of Christ. And it's easier, I'll say this flat out this morning, it's easier to leave it alone. Just, you know, you come, sit in your pew, Comfortable pews, by the way. Um, listen to a good message. And uh, 
greet one another, and go home. And call that church. But it's not. And God has something more for us. So, if you want to stone me after I'm done, um, there's no stones around. Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. There's a key line. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So in other words, the spiritual gift that God has given you is not meant for your personal consumption. It's meant to be practiced and exercised for the common good, if you understand what I mean by that. For to one is given, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, or the word of wisdom, to another, the utterance of knowledge, or word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another, faith, by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing, by the one spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, there's that word I'm supposed to be talking about, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And I'm going to stop there for a minute. So what we've read here is a list of spiritual gifts and I want, I want us to recognize here that this is not natural gifting. Okay? This is not just, I was born and raised and trained to be this or do this. There is, there is an actual outpouring of the Holy Spirit that gifts the members of the body individually in different ways. Okay? Now, do we see these things in action in any kind of dynamic way in the church today. And you can answer as honestly as you see fit. I'm talking about us now. I'm not talking about it there. What do you think? Okay. Anyone else? Anyone thinks there's enough of this? or Timing is an interesting thing. Timing is an interesting Yeah, that's another good topic, actually which I'll touch on briefly. One of the things that I, in answer to uh, what Josh just said, one of the things that I found, and I've been saved, I was born and raised in church, okay? I, 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 was, I was born and raised in the Christian Reformed Church. Read the, my, my family read the Bible every day. We prayed. Um, but I wasn't saved. I didn't actually have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ until I was 28 years old. And uh, now I'm 68 years old, so that's 40 years. Yay! Something significant about that number. Uh, 
But the reality is that in that 40 years, um, and I got saved into, into what was Allison Christian Fellowship, which is now Anchor Point Church. So this has been my church community since the day I got saved. Even before, but when I got saved, I got saved into this community. So I have a, I have a history here. What I've seen in the, in the years of, of being part of this is there been, it's been like waves. Waves of spirit move where all of a sudden there's an upsurge that tends to be an upsurge. It's almost like a wave coming into the shore where there's an upsurge of spiritual activity. And then because of potentially some something weird and wacky going on, people start to uh, maybe question or get afraid or pull in their horns a little bit and say, yeah, yeah I don't know about that. And there tends to be a downswell again. It's sort of like a wave going out. And I've seen that as, as several times. And certainly there's been, um, like there was a huge movement when in the early going of the, what they call the charismatic movement. Then there was a vineyard movement through John Wimber and Signs and Wonders. Then there was even more locally the Toronto Airport thing that happened a number of years ago for a number of years where there was you know something dynamic going on. All of it wasn't God, but a lot of it was. And I think at the end of the day, um, there's been that kind of wave in, wave out, wave in, wave out kind of thing. I'm not suggesting for a minute that that should be normal. I don't really know. But I think that what we what we need to have and what we what we lack, maybe certainly in my own life, I think, is a is a hunger and a desire. For God to have His way in a very dynamic way in the today, and uh, I, I, there needs to be—I mean, it says scripturally, "Godliness with contentment is great gain." But I, I, I also believe there needs to be within our hearts a sense of discontent too—that we we want more of what God has for us, that we won't settle for just a little, but we want all of what He has, and. There's a scripture in uh, Isaiah. You can tell I'm not a teacher because I'm rambling on like a crazy person here. But there's a scripture in Isaiah where it talks about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, for unto us a son is born, a child is born, unto us a son is given. Um, and the reality of that, one of the lines in that scripture, I think it's in Isaiah 9, but don't quote me on that is that of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So what I long to see in, in my life, in our life, is the kingdom of God and the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ increasing in our day so that there's more and more of people coming to know the Lord and being in relationship with him and being filled with the Holy Spirit and being able to be part of the kingdom of God. And... Uh, to talk about problem. You guys okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're talking about hearing God. And one of the things that uh, is talked about right here, I just read in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, is obviously the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is something that is one of the spiritual gifts that is distributed to the church. Now, I'm going to define prophecy as compared to teaching. Okay? And this is not my definition, but I think it's a good one. 
Um, first of all, the definition of a prophet. New Testament prophet. Um, and this is from a book called New Testament Prophecy, of all things, by a guy named David Hill. Um, and he says, a New Testament prophet is a Christian who functions within the church occasionally or regularly as a divinely called and a divinely inspired speaker who receives intelligible and authoritative revelations or messages which he then is impelled to deliver publicly in oral or written form to Christian individuals and or the Christian community. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you want me to read it again? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm not one of these wonderful guys with all the PowerPoint stuff because I'm old school. But anyway, a Christian who functions within the church occasionally or regularly so it might be from time to time, or it might be more frequently, as a divinely called and divinely inspired speaker who receives intelligible and authoritative revelations, I think that's the key word, or messages which he is impelled to deliver publicly in oral or written form to Christian individuals and or to the Christian community. Okay? So, and comparing a prophet and teacher, a teacher in the New Testament primarily gives exposition and application of scripture passages and transmits the tradition concerning Jesus based on scripture. And it's spiritually, it, it is still Holy Ghost stuff, okay? It's still spiritually inspired, the Holy Spirit inspired. But a prophet primarily speaks on the basis of the divine revel of a divine revelation which, he is, which has come to him in the immediate situation. So, this is, um, this is something I think we need to determine as God's people. Is this, a, is this currently a necessity? Is it something that we should look for within the context of church? Should we have prophecy today? Is there something that we can say, well, it's all in the scriptures, and certainly the scriptures are complete. It's all in there, and we don't actually need any extra-biblical stuff at all. And I want to I want to throw this great caution out now, is that every major pseudo Christian cult that we see today, and I can name some. I don't want to put anybody in, on the hot seat, but let, I'll name a couple: the Jehovah Witnesses, for instance, the Mormons is another group. They are they are pseudo Christian. They have the Bible, but they also have extra biblical revelation in a dynamic form that has led people dynamically astray so that the truth is no longer the truth is no longer the truth. And what, we're not, what I'm talking about here, when I talk about prophecy, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Because the one thing that we have as the Word of God, the, the Scriptures, is that we always have something to test the Word of God against. If it conflicts with this, the Scriptures, it's just not the Lord. Because one of the things that we absolutely believe here at Anchor Point Church is that this is the authoritative word of God. The Bible is his word. And that prophecy and all the other spiritual gifts have their role, but they do not supersede God's word. Okay? I want to I talk a little bit about an experience I had about 30 years ago. Seems like ancient history now. But when I was um, 30 years ago, I had a pretty young family. Uh, my youngest girl, who is 
Jana is now 30 years old, so she was a baby. And uh, I had, I developed this weird kind of, all of a sudden I lost like 30 pounds in a matter of just a few weeks. It looked like, well, death warmed over. I mean, I have bags under my eyes at the best of the time, but this was ridiculous. And I was always tired and felt really bad. So I went, Anyway, long story short, I went skiing with my daughter, fell, really injured my shoulder, had to go in for a, an x-ray on my shoulder. When they did the x-ray, they left the cones on the x-ray machine open, um, and it showed a big chunk of my lungs. So they said, well, your, your shoulder's not broken. But we saw something else in there that kind of worries us. So anyway, long story short, I'm, uh, I'm in for a bunch of tests now because my doctor said that could be lung cancer. So I'm 30 years old. I mean, my, my, my baby, who's now 30 years old, is I'm the father of a young family. And I have this heavy diagnosis hanging over my head. And uh, my wife, Joni, love her. She's freaking out, obviously. She's always, you know, how we project. We project about the worst case scenarios. You know, my husband's going to die. I'm going to be a widow, a young fam. You know how that goes, right? You've probably all been there. So, anyway, um, I had to go in for some tests down to Newmarket where they did a bronchoscopy where they shoved this thing down your throat and uh, down your, into your lungs. Anyway, I was sitting in my living room, I think the day before I had to go to have this test, and this would be pretty affirmative whether I had or did not have lung cancer and what would come of that. And I was reading the scriptures, and I want to, I want to, the, the point I'm trying to make now is as we read the Bible, we need to have an anticipation that it's the living word of God and that he's still speaking through scripture to us today. So this is what happened. I'm sitting in my living room, I'm reading, I know Joni's upstairs crying because she's pretty upset with what's going on. And I read, I'm reading Psalm 118. I don't think there was any particular pattern to what I was reading, like that, you know, I was at Psalm 118 that day, but I was reading Psalm 118. And uh, in verse 17 of Psalm 118, it said, it says this, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And I want to tell you, and I'm not making this up, all of a sudden, I went from a place of incredible fear and anxiety. I felt the presence of the Lord fall on me like a, an actual, I could sense the presence of God on me. And I knew that, that God had made that word my word for the day. That was true for me that day. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And guess what? I did not die. I'm alive today, and I guess in some fashion, declaring the words of the Lord. I love, I love the reality that that you know God can still speak to us so dynamically. Now that's 30 years ago, and you think, well, that's you know you're really dipping into ancient history, and that doesn't happen every day. But the reality is, it's it's available to us when we need it, according to our needs. Be it unto you, according to your faith, for one thing, but also He, he gives us what we need. 
in the hour. Amen? So, anyway, I just thought I'd share that. So, where was I? All these notes. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 14. Just jumping over there. That's part of your homework scriptures. 1 Corinthians 14 says that uh, in verse 3. And this is defining the purpose of prophecy. Paul says, I'm just going to start at verse 1 and just read a few verses down. It says, pursue love, and that's obviously he's, he's talking about the previous chapter there, 13, the love chapter. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And then he says, especially that you may prophesy. So he's actually telling, admonishing the Corinthian church to desire spiritual gifts and desire to prophesy. So that's a good desire. And then he goes on to say, one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God. I want to skip over that. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. And uh, in, in the King James Version, it says edification, exhortation, and comfort for those three words. I want to define those things briefly for you. And then uh, hopefully that will give us a little clearer picture of what the prophetic is actually purposed for. Okay? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. To edify, the word to edify, the word exhortation, um, edification comes from, means to build up, um, such as building up one's faith to strengthen one's relationship and walk with God. Okay? That's um, edification. Exhortation, a ministry of the Spirit that emboldens and brings courage to the life of a believer. It means to strongly encourage or to give counsel from the wisdom of God that comes from above. Uh, as you read in James 3.17. Prophecy is not just speaking human encouragement, but divine encouragement to people. Okay? And there's a biblical example of that that I want to touch on in Acts 27. I'm not going to read it, but in Acts 27 you read Call the story of Paul is on his way to, I believe on his way to Rome, he's in a ship, he's a captive on a ship full of people, and they have a storm at sea. And um, and it's bad. I mean, they're they're uh, they're basically just drifting on the on the ocean, on the, the Mediterranean Sea, uh, being driven, tossed to and fro by the wind. They're just being driven. Um, and this goes on for days and days and days. It's not just like, oh, we had a storm last night. This is going on and on and on. And then Paul, Paul um, speaks an encouraging word to them because he had a, an actual word from the Lord through an angelic visitation. And you can read this in chapter 27 of Acts, in verse 22 to 25, where he says to the people, everyone on this ship, he says, the angel of the Lord has visited me last night, and he said that, we are going to lose the ship, so there's no question about that. The ship's going down, but not one of you will be lost in the process. So he, he said, so come on, let's eat some food. Nobody's eaten for 14, probably everybody's seasick, but no one's eaten for all this time. Let's get ready. The ship's going down, but we're all going to be okay. And ultimately, that was the truth. As a word of encouragement, a prophetic word of, of uh, encouragement to the people. Amen? And then finally, to comfort, 
And that means to uh, lighten one's burden, uh, to counter, to uh, come and ease one's grief or discomfort. So the purpose of prophecy is, is also to, like, you can be under it sometimes, right? Like sometimes it feels like you're carrying the whole world on your shoulders. And um, it's amazing when you can encourage one another just as brothers and sisters. But there's something about maybe even somebody who doesn't even know who you are or what you're going through who can speak as though he identifies exactly, he or she identifies exactly with where you are and what you're going through. And it's like God knows and he's speaking into your situation and he's bringing comfort to you because you know that he knows and that he cares about your, your life. Amen? That makes sense? Um, it's interesting, you know, that, that so much of what's in the Old Testament, um, there's a, a fascinating story in Numbers 11 where, where uh, Moses is, he's, he's leading the children of Israel into the promised land. I mean, that's, that's the mission. And he's pretty much fed up with them. Like he, because if he, you know, they're pretty tough to get along with. And there's, I think the, the census was there were 600,000 plus footmen. So there's, that's soldiers, men. And then there'd be all the women and children and, and all that. So millions probably of people. And he's the only leader. And he and God are having it out, which is an interesting thing. And then God says, um, uh, sanctify, you know, there's a sanctify call and a solemn assembly. This is uh, Numbers 11. And then I will put of my spirit, of the spirit that you have, that I put on you, I'm going to put some of that on 70 men that you have picked out as being eligible leaders of the church of the children of Israel. So they do all this and the Spirit of God is distributed by God's dynamics onto these 70 other people. 68 of them are outside of the camp. Two are still inside the camp. And the thing is, as the Spirit of God comes each on each one of them, they all prophesy. They begin to prophesy. Joshua, being Moses' right-hand man, says, hey, Moses, stop these guys. And uh, this is Moses' response, and I think it's fascinating in light of the New Testament reality of uh, Joel 2 and Acts chapter 2. Moses says, would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them all. Amen? So that, that is now available because of Pentecostal outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we read about in Acts 2, which is the fulfillment, as I said earlier, of Joel chapter 2. That, that Paul says, and, and certainly in your reading assignment, you're going to read this, that, that all may prophesy, so you all have the liberty to do that. All you need is the courage and the faith. And uh, that you can use that gift. For the glory of God. Now, there's also a bunch of other gifts of the Spirit that are listed that I read in 1 Corinthians 12. Gifts of healings and miracles and all these things. And I believe God still does these things today. Now, we've had some disappointing circumstances 
in the last couple of years where we prayed earnestly for people who were very sick and guess what, they died. And the, the discouraging part of that is that you think, well, it's almost like, this is me, and, and if this isn't you, that's fine, but this, I'm just being as honest as I can. Sometimes because of that, because we prayed for someone and they didn't get healed, we, again, we withdraw from doing that. And it's almost like my, my stance on that is I don't want to embarrass God. That's, at least that's what I say to myself. I'm not going to pray for people anymore for healing because I don't want I don't want to have, you know, God let them down and let me down and, and sort of, well, I don't really know why that didn't happen. But here's the point I'm trying to make. We are encouraged in Scripture to pray for one another. We're encouraged to utilize the gifts of healings. I'm not sure everyone has. I think there are certain individuals that God distributes the gifts of healings to in various forms. And actually, if, let's say I was sick and I got healed, what is the gift of healing? Not the person who prayed for me, but the, the actual healing process that took place uh, for me. That's a gift of healing. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm not saying it's absolutely that way, but Anyway, so, here we go. We're going to be, we live in the craziest time of my life right now. And the thing that is kind of perplexing, uh, I have to say, that is within the context of the church that, you know, on the bigger picture that we, we believe we are a part of, which is, the church that still believes in the manifestations of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit operating today. There is, with this whole COVID situation, which is, you know, the, the most dynamic global thing that's happened in maybe ever. I mean, it's, whether it's a pandemic or not, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's definitely global and there's almost 8 billion people in the world affected by it. So most people in the world are affected at one time by one thing. There was very little prophetic in the church about this, previous to it, or even during it, that was actually accurate. So what do you do with that? And you can say, well, I guess the prophetic doesn't exist anymore, or it's not, you know, prophets are off out to lunch, yeah, maybe. But the reality is, I think God, there's a scripture in Amos 3 that says, um, I should look it up actually because I can't quote it right. Um, when all is said and done today, you think I'm nuts. I'm sorry, but I'm not. Amos 3, verse 7. It says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secret unto his servants, the prophets. And then it says in the following verse, The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken and cannot prophesy. So I think there's a, there's a need to recognize that there is a... Jesus promised when he poured out the Holy Spirit, uh, when he talked about pouring out the Holy Spirit in John 16, 
He promised that the, he, the Spirit, would come. He'd guide you and lead you into all truth. But he would also show you things to come. So there's a foretelling, a foretelling and a foretelling that is part of the prophetic. And uh, I, think, I think we need to have an attitude where we're willing to open ears to hear what God wants to speak. And here again, we always measure what's being spoken in the prophetic against what's already canonical in Scripture. Um, Acts 16 is interesting too. We're going to talk about false prophecy Br briefly. There's a story in Acts 16, I think. Yeah. Uh, Acts 16 where um, Paul and uh, I can't remember if it's Silas or Barnabas. Anyway, they're in, they're in a town and um, and they're there to minister. And there's this this young girl who has a spirit of divination. Um, and she's going around every day as they go to the to the synagogue. She goes ahead of them and says, and declares loudly, These men are the servants of the Most High God who have come to show you the way of salvation. Well, guess what? That's a hundred percent accurate description of these guys. But Paul, it says, it says here that having listened to this many days, and I think there's a process of something going on here, he turned around and he rebuked the evil spirit, the spirit of divination in this woman, this girl, and asked the, the demon out of her, or the spirit of divination out of her. Um, I laughed. I heard it said once that with our limited understanding of the prophetic, and our limited exposure to it, we probably would have promoted this girl to the head of the prophecy department instead of casting the demon out of her because what she said was so true. But the reality is that we need to understand what's behind uh, this. Does that make sense? Like, it, this is, um, it sounds true, but it wasn't for godly purpose that this was coming forth. And of course, these guys got themselves in all kinds of trouble for casting that demon out. They ended up in jail and flogged and but anyway, the truth being the truth. Fascinating story. Um, prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation. This is what distinguishes prophecy from teaching. Teaching is always grounded in an inspired text of scripture. Prophecy, on the other hand, is always based on a spontaneous revelation. Um, Paul clearly distinguishes between the coming, when you come to a corporate meeting, with a word of instruction and with a revelation. He uses those two terms, so they're, they're not the same thing. Okay. Um, here's a, here's a, like, I'm going to finish with this. Uh, as helpful as prophecy is to the church, and I think we need to see it as helpful. Christians are not just gullibly embrace all who claim to speak on behalf of God. Rather, the church must test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many, it says in 1 John 4, verse 1, many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, um, the reality is that all true prophecy bears testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross and, uh, and adds to that. Amen? So, we have the potential as God's people to use the gifts that he gives us, including prophecy. There's also always the potential to abuse these things. And one of the things I, I have seen 
and, and I, I'm, I want to caution you about is that sometimes prophecy can be the most manipulative of the gifts in terms of getting people to do what you want them to do or be where you want them to be or think like you want them to think. But that's because it's, it's sort of like the classic, would you take a $100 bill? Of course I would take a $100 bill offered me one but what what if you knew there were counterfeit hundreds well I would still take your hundred and check it out and the reality of the of the gifts of the spirit and you know and that includes prophecy is if just because there are counterfeits does not mean there aren't there isn't reality right and um, we need to be discerning one of the gifts of the spirit that we talked about in first Corinthians 12 is the gift of discernment we need to be discerning we need to exercise these things, and of course, it's like bodily exercise, right? It's like if you lift weights, who's talking to me about weights this morning? Angela, we are talking about lifting things. If, if you lift a little, and you lift a little more every day, you strengthen your muscles, and you become more capable, right? That's the way that works. I think spiritually, there is the same kind of process that we need to, we need to take steps in, in the gifts of the Spirit, and not be afraid that fall on our face um, this is a safe place to do it, but begin to take steps and grow in grace and the knowledge of Him. I, I'm, I'm looking for that in my own life and in your lives, and I trust that my rambling has been of some benefit this morning. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, uh, I thank you for um, I thank you for our gathering today. I thank you for the, the reality that you're with us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we pray that we would be a people who are open to you doing what you want to do in our midst, to your glory, Jesus. And uh, that we would grow, and, and not just, yeah, so that we would grow in the Spirit and become increasingly what you have for us to be, that we could be everything that you want us to be, your honor and glory. There's so much here, Lord, that uh, we have just kind of scratched the surface on, but I pray that as we dig into this deeper in the future, we would be more and more open to you having your way, moving by your spirit, and filling the earth with your glory. Jesus Christ, be glorified in our midst today and every day. In your name we pray. Amen.